Bibles this evening to the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Well, the devil's dangerous devices. And there are a lot of them, no doubt. Many that we know of and uh, a lot of them that we don't really know anything about because uh, so many times we get tripped up by something out of the blue that we never saw coming, something that we never experienced before. But there are some things that are very clear from various scriptures and and various examples that are given in the Bible and tonight we're going to we're going to look at one of those this evening so Luke chapter number nine and uh, earlier in this chapter we see the Lord announcing that he's going to Jerusalem and that he's going to suffer many things he's going to be put to death and be raised the third day and in verse 23, he lays down the demands of discipleship. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I've lost track of the number of times I've preached on, uh, on those verses there in that section. But tonight we begin in verse 57. Our text tonight actually is verse 61 and 62, but I want you to get the whole story here and by the way, as they're in route to Jerusalem, we find the Lord sending certain messengers to go and to prepare a place. And so in route they go and they're making accommodations for the Lord and they go into a village of the Samaritans in verse 52 that did not receive him. And so James and John, as was uh, I think off the case if you know them, uh, they suggested to the Lord that maybe they ought to just call down fire from heaven and wipe them out. And so the Lord rebuked them for that and uh, told us in verse 56, He didn't come to destroy men's lives but to save them. But now verse 57, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and to bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me, let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. As I said, I want you to focus on verse 61 and verse 62 tonight because this is, is part three in a story about three would-be followers. The first man was impulsive, and I'm not going to take the time to go into detail in regards to this man, but uh, he is impulsive. I mean, man, he is ready to go seemingly. The second, though, is insincere. He said, let me first go bury my dad, and uh, chances are his dad was already dead, and anyway, his priorities were certainly wrong. And But in the third, we find the indecisive man. One's impulsive, one's insincere, one is indecisive. 
I preached a message years ago about these three guys, and the first one I described as Mr. Too Quick. The other one is Mr. Too Slow, and the other one is Mr. Wait a Minute. And uh, so that pretty well describes the attitude each one had. But however you describe these fellows, number three is a man who expressed a desire to follow the Lord, but he wanted to delay doing so. As I said, we've been talking about the devil's dangerous devices, and delay has to be somewhere on that list because that's exactly what we see going on here. Now, when you first look at it, his request might seem to be reasonable, at least to a lot of folks, but the fact that Jesus rebuked him shows that it was... uh, uh, that he was in error in, in making a request like this. So he's wrong. However, you want to try to reason it out in, in your mind that surely the Lord could wait a minute, you know, and let the, man, let the man go ahead and take care of his business, and then he'll come and follow you. And the Lord was saying, you're going to follow me. You've got to forsake everything, and you've got to do it right now. Because we don't work on our timetable. It's God's timetable. And so... From this story, we learn some very important lessons, and one of them is this, uh, and that is that people who would never intentionally follow Satan sometimes do without even realizing it. They do so by procrastinating, by putting off things that they should do, and that pleases Satan just fine. He's happy with that because the devil doesn't care how much you know. Think about that. A lot of folks take great pride in how much they know and especially what they know about the Bible. But the devil doesn't care how much you know. He doesn't care in some ways, you know, what what you believe. He doesn't even care what you are able to do. So there are people that... uh, that are very intelligent whenever it comes to the Word of God and very familiar with the Word of God, and God has even blessed them with great talent. But none of that matters to Satan if you don't act on it. And that's why we need to think about the danger of delay. I, you know, I made the mistake of telling Bev what I was going to preach tonight, and, and uh, I, I don't know whether that was a laugh or a sneer or what, and uh, it, I know what she was thinking. Are you really going to go there? Now, she's got a reason for saying that, because over time, we tend to change, especially whenever we, I like to call it rearranging our priorities, but really that's a cop-out, I guess. I guess. I, I can't convince anybody that's true, though. I remember several years ago, uh, there was a preacher that, that he had uh, been in, the, in my office, and he, when I, he said, I'll tell you, he said, I've been telling everybody, I've never seen a preacher so organized as David Stone. said, he is the most organized preacher I've ever seen in my life. And at that time, you know, that maybe that was true. But I want to tell you, since Harvey, uh, organization is out the window. 
There was a time earlier in my life that I, I was stupid enough to almost invite contention. I mean, back when I started preaching, it wasn't anything like a good fight, you know. I'm not talking about fisticuffs. I'm talking about a verbal debate with people, you know, that might not agree. I remember years ago I was preaching in Island City, Kentucky, and uh, boy, I had jumped on a bunch of young people for not paying attention and talking, and, and, which is something I did all the time in my home church. But I was a guest preacher there. And after the church, I'll tell you what, there was a bunch of parents out there that basically surrounded me wanting an explanation. And thankfully, the pastor stood with me on that issue, but it really, it didn't bother me a bit. I mean, they, I just kind of invited, bring it on, you know. I was a lot younger and more foolish and what have you, and so it didn't upset me that much. But now, as I get older, Boy, I tell you, I, I just, I hate contention. I, I just want to do anything and everything in my power to avoid that kind of trouble. But another area, I'm sure, has to do with procrastination. And uh, that it's, you know, people will say, boy, you really stepped on my toes today or something. Well, uh, I, a lot of times it look, it's like somebody said, when I got one finger pointing at you, the other three are pointing back at me. And uh, that's the way it is, you know, because uh, if, I, if I, listen, if I can't preach the word of God and make a personal application to my own life, I, I'm not fit to be telling you what we need to do. Because whenever I do that, somebody says, well, a person shouldn't preach something if they're not putting it into practice. Really? 99% of the preachers would be out of business in a week if that's true. We're, we're, we, don't, we don't have perfection in any area of our life. We do have faults and we do fail. And it's so easy, especially when it comes to this matter of procrastination. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do it later. And now, we've always got a good, ready excuse, you know, why we're going to postpone it. But a lot of times the truth is I don't want to do it now. I, I'll, we'll do it later. So... Let's talk about that because this can be a real serious deal as it was with, with this fellow we're talking about here tonight. You know, I mean, after all, uh, he, he said, uh, Lord, I will follow thee. That's a, that is a bold statement to make to the Lord Jesus Christ and especially in the presence of others. Lord, I'll follow you. Oh, I know that, that other guy, he's impulsive. The other one is insincere. Don't worry about me, man. I'll follow you wherever you go. Really? Oh, yeah, but, but, but I got something else I need to do first, you see. So let's talk about this matter of delay, one of the devil's dangerous devices. The first thing is that uh, obligations are neglected. As I said earlier, to the natural mind, this man's requests seem reasonable. It, it appears that he wants to delay just long enough to go tell mom and dad or who, whoever he's speaking of, go, go to his house and tell, tell the family farewell. Uh, he didn't see any danger in delay. It was just a legitimate request on his part. Here's the thing about it. He did not consider the fact that the family might have persuaded him to stay. Can you imagine him going in and saying, okay, 
you know, I've got to break the news to you. I met Jesus, and I've decided to become one of his followers. I'm going to go wherever he goes. I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do. And can you imagine the impact that would have on them? You're going to do what? You're going to give up the business. You've been an apprentice, and you've been training and preparing for your future. And, uh, you know, we have big plans for you. And you're going to throw it all away to go follow this, this preacher? Look, sometimes people get persuaded to do what, you know, they shouldn't do. And, and I know of cases that that has happened. Somebody says, well, you know, I feel like God has called me to preach. And lo and behold, somebody else, they might mean well, but somebody will talk them out of it. And so that was a very real danger. But the fact of the matter is, the Lord didn't cut him any slack and he rebuked him because whatever the danger was, the Lord saw the danger in delay. And the whole point is, if we're going to be a disciple, we can't allow ourselves to get distracted. We cannot uh, disobey God and, 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 and even put it off till some other time. You know, I'll do it, Lord. I'm just not ready right now. And we need to be ready at all times. So somehow we seem to think, you know, that disobedience is, is made acceptable if we don't have the time. So that makes a really good excuse, right? You know, and so we'll say, well, you know, I'll do it later. I don't have the time to do it right now. That's usually, not always, but it's usually a sophisticated way of saying no. I, do, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. And so we, you know, we try to pawn that off on someone. Now, there are legitimate, you know, times that we deny a request for something because uh, it doesn't fit and we've got something more important to do, more pressing issue or whatever. But during the course of the average person's life, I'm convinced that there are literally thousands of things that are left undone. And, and it's not that we just intentionally set out to do it. It just happens because we keep putting things off. Sometimes, you know, the kids grow up, they leave home, and they've never received the proper instruction or attention that they need from the parents. The parents didn't set out to ruin the kids. They just absolutely, they were so enamored with sports or whatever else, you know, it might be. They didn't have time for the kiddos. Or it might be that work will pile up as a result of procrastination, and it'll just pile up to the point that all of a sudden we're faced with an impossible task. You know, one of the things about, you know, being a homeowner, and I, I've got to confess, if it wasn't for Bev, I, and, you know, now I'm to the point physically can't do a lot of things that I uh, that at one time I would have done, but if it wasn't for her, you know, reminding me, I'll guarantee you there'd be a lot less done. She has to remind me, you know, if you don't fix this now, later on, you're going to have to call in somebody else to, to do the job. It's going to be a big job. So if you're a homeowner, if you don't take care of that, of that, that paint that's coming off, after a while, you're going to have a problem developed that, that you can't manage. You have to call in someone else. 
It, it, it might be, it might have to do with the neglect of, of elderly people in a nursing home. No, I don't think anybody takes grandma and grandpa to the nursing home with the intent, I hope I never see you again, old man. Now, there may be some rare exceptions to that. I don't know. There shouldn't be. But they don't do that. They take them there because I don't have time to take care of them, so we'll put them there. They can get care 24 hours a day. All of their needs will be met. But lo and behold, after a while, they are just left forgotten in a nursing home. Now, that list goes on and on and on. The damage is done even though we did not plan it that way. It just happened as a result that we just kept putting things off day after day and week after week. So the difference between what you are and what you should be is the same as the difference between what you plan and what you do. Let me say that again. The difference between what you are and what you should be is the same difference between what you plan and what you do. It's easy to plan things. You know, well, you know, as a pastor of a church and, and, and so many times you want to kind of, especially at the beginning of a new year, kind of plan out, okay, we want to do this, we want to do that. And we can lay out all of these plans and what have you. But it's another thing to implement those plans. And the same thing's true in our life. And so the point is, if we're ever going to serve God, we need to get started right now. It's not something that we are at liberty to delay on. We don't have that right. If we ought to be doing it, we ought to be doing it right now. Ought to be serving God in some form. So when the Lord extends the call to discipleship, His intent was you drop everything you're doing and you get on board and you follow me. But this fella, he, well, he wanted to wait. The second thing is, that when this happened, other people are affected. Uh, for example, there are some that, that fail to have their, their needs met. Think about the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he went everywhere doing what? Doing good, right? He was ministering as he went along. It's not like he just went from point A to point B and did nothing in between. But every step of the way and every opportunity, our Lord was ministering to people. And certainly his main goal was to go and to present himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And he set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem. He was not going to be slowed down. He was not going to be turned aside. He knew that that was his mission in life and so whenever whenever we delay somebody's needs are not being met now this man here that we're talking about he would have thought well I'm thinking about my family it's just not fair for me to jump up and start following you and my family sitting at home wondering where I've gone like he couldn't send a message you know the neighbor could have told him you know, have you seen little Joe? Oh, yeah, I saw him. He's down there with that Jesus fellow. And, and, and Jesus called him to follow him. And he said, yeah, I'll do it. And he took off with him. You know, some way or another, they would have got the message. But, man, you know, he, he's supposedly thinking about his family. What's Jesus thinking about? Jesus is thinking about the spiritual effect it'll have on others. 
In other words, he is calling this man into ministry, and the Lord understands the cost of neglect. That's especially true of those people that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when he's sending his disciples out, they are on a mission to tell others about Christ, the Lamb of God, and to show them the way of salvation. And, and, and so the Lord's thinking about their needs, not the comfort of the disciple. So when we, whenever we delay, somebody is going without their needs being met. But there's another thing, and that's this, that whenever we delay, others have to carry more of the load. You know, the, the Bible talks about the fact that two are better than one. Three's even better than that, you know, but two's better than one. You know, if the one falls, the other one can pick him up. When we think about missionaries going out, remember the Lord sent them out, what, two by two. Uh, he did that for a reason. But whenever somebody, when somebody is absent, when somebody is laying down on the job, somebody else have to, has to pick it up. And a lot of times, you know, that happens, that happens on, on the job. I remember when I was working for the highway department, and uh, we'd have these fellows that were, had just graduated from engineering school, most of them in Rolla, Missouri. They've just graduated from engineering school. The state highway department hired them. Man, they've got, they've got book knowledge running out their ears, but they have never in their life taken a sledgehammer and, and drove a, a grade stake in the ground. They've never used a double-bitted axe or a machete to cut a survey line through the timber. They have no idea what that is all about. So all of them that I had ever met was, was some book-smart engineer that comes out there trying to tell us guys what we ought to be doing when they've never done it themselves and how fast it ought to be done. But we had one fellow that was an exception. His name was Jim Anderson. And I'll tell you, that guy, a little old skinny, scrawny guy, and he came out there, but he didn't just, he didn't just instruct us what needed to be done Man, he got right there in the middle of it and was was working just as hard as anybody. Even though he didn't have a lot of experience, he was willing to do absolutely anything. But when somebody is laying down on the job, whether it's in the church, somebody says, well, you know, what I do is my business. Well, that's not true if you're a member of the Lord's church. Yeah. You are a member of a body, and every member has some certain work assigned to it God has a plan for you we all serve the Lord in different ways but but those jobs whatever they might be whether it's somebody like Bubba back there in the sound room or whether it's uh, somebody like Daniel going out and picking up people on the church van whether it's taking care of the nursery doing secretarial work whatever it is those are things that somebody somebody has to do and if they just decide, well, I'm not going to do it, then someone else has to take up the slack, which in some cases means that somebody else has got to quit what they're doing or add what they're doing to what, you know, they're trying to take care of on that part that's been neglected. So when we don't carry our part of the load, it just leaves more for others to do. And think about it, and it is so amazing what 
the, what the disciples accomplished, thinking about that little handful that the Lord chose and the fact that they turned Jerusalem upside down, they shook the world, you, you might say, for the Lord Jesus Christ, that little handful. But for just one of those men to drop out by the wayside was, was a major issue. So whenever we delay, it might be in the home. I, I'm so ashamed of... Uh, I'm so ashamed of what I used to be uh, as a husband, and uh, I'm still sometimes ashamed of what I am as a husband now. But, you know, I w was raised in a different generation, you know, and the, the men just sat there, you know, like in the rocking chair or something, like a knot on a log, and expected the wife to go fill up the tea glass and, uh, and to have everything ready at a certain time and to do absolutely everything themselves. And, you know, when it wouldn't have hurt a bit for them to, to do something. Now, I know back then the men did work hard, and they'd put in a day's work, and they'd come home, and, but they expected the wife to do everything. My whole point is, look, any time that, that we don't chip in and try to do our part, it leaves more for somebody else to do. I've already made this statement probably more times than I should have, and that's the fact you know, at my age and my health and what have you, it wasn't for Bev especially. I, I, I'd have to retire. She, and in all her bad health and everything, she runs errands and does things to give me time that I can study. And then Brother Kenneth and Brother Richard and, and, and not just them. You know, I mentioned those names, but I'm talking about all of these faithful members that pick up part of the load God, let me tell you, it's not that way in some churches. I can take you to churches where they expect the pastor to do absolutely everything imaginable. And if he doesn't do it, it just doesn't get done. And God forbid that we neglect our responsibility. Just put it off and leave it for someone else to do. Now, not only, not only do, does it rob others of blessings and not only does it cause others to carry part of the load, but this is the third thing about how others are affected. And that's the fact that some get discouraged by our unconcern. They get discouraged by our unconcern. Over in the book of Numbers, chapter number 32, there's a perfect example of that, and I'm not going to try to go into detail or even bring you up to date on what all is going on. But as they're headed in toward the promised land, it tells us here in the first verse that Reuben and Gad and a very great multitude of cattle, and when they saw the land of Jaser and the land of Gilead, and behold, the place was a place for cattle. Now, in, in other words, they're on the wrong side of Jordan. Get the picture. There's an inheritance waiting for them on the other side. But, by the way, there's going to be some battles over there. The Canaanites are still in possession of the land. God said, I promise I'll give you the land, but you've got to fight for it. So I'm sending you over there. But here we see that Reuben and Gad, and later we discover half the tribe of Manasseh, they like where they're at on the wrong side of Jordan. It's a good place for cattle, and we got a lot of cattle. I wonder if they ever stopped to think how they got those cattle, you know. But anyway, they said, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. You know, we'll, 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 we'll just help you get over across the river into the promised land, but then we're going to come back and settle down here. What a, what a horrible 
attitude for them to have, you know. In other words, kind of like, you folks go on, but we're going to, we're going to come back here. Verse 6, And Moses said unto the children of Gad, unto the children of Reuben, Now get this, Shall your brethren go to war, and shall ye sit here? It's kind of like Moses saying, Do you understand what you're saying? Really? You expect them to go to war and for you to sit here. And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them? Wherefore do you discourage them? And no doubt it would be discouraging for these two tribes and more to decide we're going to stay here, but if you all are really dead set on going over there and fighting the Canaanites, you, you all go ahead. We wish you well, you know. We'll pat you on the back. We might even send you a few supplies, but we're, we're going to stay back here. We're going to raise our family over here on the other side. Bad idea. Bad idea. Not only a bad idea for them, but a bad idea in the sense that they were discouraging their brethren. And let me tell you, we, we often talk about the fact that, you know, God can sometimes use one person as a spark to ignite a revival in a church. I, I mean, I've seen somebody just get on fire for God, and all of a sudden that spark will ignite another flame and another and another, and it begins to spread on the other side of that coin, sometimes one person can become a source of discouragement to the whole church body. One person that decides they're going to balk, they're not going to go ahead, they're going to, they're going to lag behind, they're not for this, you know, I, I, I think it's a bad idea. And just one person. And just our attitude in general, it's not like we have to vote against something in a business meeting to be a detriment to the welfare of the church. Just our attitude in general. And don't tell me that you come into church on Sundays and mix and mingle with people and you don't notice it whenever somebody's got the mully grubs. It, you do. And somebody, let me tell I'll just be honest with you. There have been times that Bev and I have left the service over the years now. And over these years, sometimes you get where you can pretty well read the situation. We look at one another, well, I wonder what's wrong with so and so today. I mean, they made it obvious something's wrong. They're mad about something. I got to tell you, I'm not too sure that wasn't the case this morning. There's something wrong. I'm just going to be bold and blunt about it. I mean, uh, there was just a damper on the surface. I don't know what it was, but it was like the devil was back there laughing. <laughs> Man, uh, you, I, I see the way you're looking at it. I'm not a mind reader. I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not a prophet. I understand that. But I'm telling you, over the years, you, you just you're able to discern sometimes when there's something wrong. And look, it's not, I'm not blaming you. It's sometimes it might be me or somebody else. But whenever, whenever we delay, we decide to, that we're not going to go along with, with the church. Somebody's, but Tim, Tim can probably tell you this better than I can. 
There, we have met some people that will not sing certain songs. Well, I don't like that praise and worship music, you know. I, well, I don't like all of it either. By the way, I don't like some of the hymns because they're unscriptural. Some of them are. And if they are, we shouldn't sing them. You might love, oh, I love that one of my favorite hymns. Yeah, you stop and read the words and it's as unscriptural as it can be. But to, to, to think that we're going to drag our feet, and, and we need to understand when we do that, we're dragging others down with us. Shall your brethren go to war and ye sit here? Now there's a third thing, and I'll be through. And that's the fact when we procrastinate, opportunities are wasted. The dictionary defines opportunity like this. It says it is a favorable combination of circumstances for doing something or a suitable chance. Isn't it wonderful that God gives us some suitable chances to do things? That He gives us this favorable combination of circumstances that we can do something for Him. But, but in reality, words are actually not adequate to really describe what opportunity is. Uh, many years ago, I read about a sculptor that made a statue of the God of Opportunity, and it had long hair that completely covered its face, and, and it had wings on its feet. And so somebody asked the sculptor, said, uh, you know, the face of the statue is covered up. He said, uh, why? And what, what's this wings on the feet thing? He said, well, the face is covered because most people do not recognize opportunity whenever it comes. The wings on the feet represent the fact that opportunities are gone so swiftly. And how true that is, that sometimes we don't recognize an opportunity and then it's gone before you know it. Do you know there are certain insects that have a lifespan of only one hour? Think about that. Born into the world and an hour later they're dead. That's it. Lifespan over. But there's some opportunities that don't even last that long. Just in a flash and it is gone. They exist for only a few seconds. It might be that opportunity to witness some, to someone, uh, to speak to them about the Lord, to give them a track, to encourage them or to do something. And The opportunity is gone. By the way, speaking of Israel... There was a time at Kadesh Barnea, you'll remember back before chapter 32, this is back in chapter number 14, where they delayed for one day, and it cost them their opportunity to enter into the land of Canaan. One day was all. You say, well, what happened? Well, the ten, ten spies, you remember, most of them come in, the majority say, oh, we can't do it. That, that's just that's asking too much of us. We can't do that. And Caleb and Joshua said, no problem. We'll go over there and we'll absolutely squash them. The Lord's given us the land. We ought to go. But, but, but the other spies discouraged the Israelites and they decided not to go. So what happened? What happened was God said, okay, because they're not going to go, I'll just leave you to die in the wilderness. They responded, oh, No. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, if, if, if you're that serious about it, Lord, we'll go. This is the next day when they learned the consequences of their, of their failure. And the Lord said, oh, no, don't go now. 
It's too late. A day late. And what do they do? They had learned the thing because they decided we're going to go anyway. And boy, they got, they got their, yeah, they got beat up. I mean, the Canaanites just worked them over good. And folks, a lot of times, our opportunities that pass so swiftly are wasted. So, in, in, in doing so, here's what happened. We think about what they lost. Lives were lost as a result of them not obeying God and going on over into the land. But when we fail to take advantage of our opportunities, there's always some loss that is incurred. For one thing, we lose the blessing to help someone else. That Boy, that is one of the greatest blessings in life, to be able to help someone else. You know, we read all of these scriptures about how we need to think of others more so than ourselves. We know that's what the Bible says, right? But it's strange that most of the time we complain more about others not helping us than we do in actually helping other people. I mean, there's a blessing, and that's why I keep saying, we're, you're always best to yourself when you're good to others. Amen. Because it all, it, look, it always comes back to you in some way. We reap what we sow, and we get out a, ble a blessing out of helping other people. That is, if we do it with the right attitude. But whenever we don't take advantage of the opportunity... We lose that blessing of being helpful to someone else. Secondly, we lose the respect of others. You've often heard me say when I first started preaching, I really didn't care about what other people thought about me. Oh, I wanted them to think I was doing a really good job of preaching, naturally. But I, but, you know, I, I, I didn't care if somebody really got hurt in the process. Because I wasn't there so much, you know, to help them. I was there more so to force them to conform to what I believe was right about everything. And boy, I just, you know, laid the hammer down time and time again. But whenever you, listen, when you get older and more mature and you begin to realize it does matter what people think. Don't, don't ever say, I don't care what people think about me. Well, you ought to care because of the fact that we are to be, we are to be a light in this sin-darkened world. We're to be salt. We're to be light. And, and, and consequently, it matters what they think because whether we're able to reach them or not is going to depend upon what they think about us. And as I say so many times that others ju judge Christ by what they see in us. And sadly, a lot of times they come to the wrong conclusion about him. And it's the impression that we've left. God help us to not do that. And a lot of times we develop this bad, bad reputation in our life for, for procrastinating, just putting things off. And after a while, we're known for that. I, I've known people over the years, I guarantee you, they're going to be late. If they say they're going, it doesn't make any difference what time. They say they'll be there, you know, I'll, I'll be there at 8. I'll pick you up at 8. No, they won't. I'll guarantee you they won't. I can call names. Some people, they're going to be late. I'd rather be 30 minutes early than 10 seconds late any time, you know. Look, whenever we, when we get known, you know, to others for being inconsiderate and procrastinating things that, 
you know, need to be done and what have you. It has an effect on how they think about us. But then it affects us personally in this sense. We also lose something else in this process, and we lose the peace of mind. The peace of mind. That's a big deal. Boy, whenever Paul was, you know, coaching young Timothy, and he tells him that of utmost importance is this matter of having a clear conscience. And isn't it good whenever you go to bed at night and you put your head on the pillow? And it might be that, you, you know, you just didn't have time to do everything you wanted to do that day. And it might be that you'd even failed in some ways. But whenever you put your head on the pillow and you knew that God had given you an opportunity to do something that was was a blessing to somebody else and to know that you took advantage of it. And there are some people that are living in misery simply because of the, the fact that they are guilt-ridden. They know that they are neglecting their responsibilities and they are eaten up with guilt. And consequently, they lose their, their peace of mind. And, and that ought to be a big deal to you because, look, if you've got a million dollars, if you don't have peace of mind, you're going to be miserable. Amen. Thank God for having, a, having you know, a clear conscience and, and the peace of mind. But then there's one other thing that, that I'll briefly mention, but really is of the most importance. And that's the fact that whenever people delay, sometimes they end up losing their own soul. Felix made that mistake. He wanted to Put it off to some other time, you know. I, I, I'll just wait, you know. I, I'm really impressed by what I see. I'm really impressed by what I hear. But, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll wait till a more convenient time. And you'd be surprised how many people have made that same mistake. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. People that think, you know, uh, they, they attend Sunday school and church and they hear the gospel of Christ and the Holy Spirit is dealing with their heart and they think, well, you know, I, I know I, I know that's what I need to do. I need to become a Christian. I realize I'm a sinner in God's sight. And, and really, I, I want to become a Christian before I die, but just not today. Not today. And the more they procrastinate, the easier it becomes because it has a hardening effect on their heart. It's like a callus that builds up on your hands when you use them over and over. And, and that's the way it is, you know, with their heart. It becomes callous and becomes hardened. And, and they become more difficult to reach with the gospel. And eventually it leads to death. Spiritual death, I mean Eternity without Christ, because delay is destructive in some way. It always is. It might not lead to your death, but it can sure spell the, the end of something else that's profitable in your life. So God help us to dodge this dangerous device of the devil and to stay away from it the best that we can and to, and to know what God wants, what God expects, and to be ready to do it right now instead of putting it off to some time later. Think about what you might lose if you wait. Now's the time to act. Let's bow in prayer. Father, forgive us of our faults and our failures and the times that we 
the times that we failed and yet failed to recognize it is really a, a serious subject. The times that we failed and we just sloughed it off as though it were no big deal. And I pray you'll forgive us uh, for having that kind of an attitude. And I pray you'll not only forgive us because, Lord, we need more than that. We need to be forgiven, but, Lord, we need the strength that only you can provide. So strengthen us and help us to go out from this place tonight with a determination to look for and take advantage of opportunities without delay. And if there's one among us tonight that's never received Christ as their Savior, may they not delay any longer. May they trust Him here this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand together.